Welcome back again to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. I've uh, been away for uh, a couple weeks here as we sort of let things settle uh, around the mm-hmm. NFL offseason. Got a, not that much time now until the NFL draft. I think uh, four weeks exactly as we're recording here uh, till April 29th. And uh, some big moves in the NFL draft since last time yeah. we talked with uh, uh, the Dolphins trading down to 12 with the 49ers and then back up to six with the Eagles and that's probably where we'll start here just sort of figuring out how that all fits for Detroit because it obviously impacts um (laughs) it obviously impacts their plans I think here yeah everything yeah I would think everything I guess the first thing though would be so my so Miami trades up to six after trading down so they go from three to what was it 12 and it looked like San Francisco had you know, I think we we went through all the uh, teams that maybe were in need of a quarterback, and San Francisco had a pretty good package. Uh, it seemed yep. like anyway that they could offer. So, you know, Miami goes down to twelve and then back up to six right in front of Detroit. And I guess for me, like, I don't know. I guess the conversation probably needs to start at the quarterbacks, right? Because I think there's two things. What does this do in terms of who does it push down? You know, is it going to push down Chase Sewell and? Um, you know, maybe somebody else or all the quarterbacks going to be a run on. And then maybe what does Miami want? I guess were all the things that sort of immediately hit me in the head. Cause there's, you know, a lot of things that just get thrown on the floor there when something like that happens. But I guess I, I, I wanted to get your first reaction on sort of that. Like your, when it happened, your gut, like, how is this going to impact Detroit? Cause for me, it was like, well, I think it's going to push down a lot of talent, but I'm not really positive because of all this quarterback sort of chaos that's going around with, you know, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, the 49ers like Trey Lance, you know, what's going on with this? And there's just a lot of stuff. So I guess you're, you're I want your first reactions on, on Lions impact when the trade happened. Yeah, I mean, I think with Miami trading back up to six, I don't know that it changed that much. I mean, I mm-hmm. think we all always knew it was going to be three quarterbacks, at least three quarterbacks, I think. Uh, yeah. And then probably Pitts, Chase. Maybe Sewell. I mean, I don't know that the names have changed. I think the big question now is, is it going to be three quarterbacks or is it going to be four quarterbacks? Is there going to mm-hmm. be is Atlanta going to take one? Is someone going to get up to five? I mean, I assume Miami's locked in at six now. It seems like that was a very specific move for them yeah. to get, like you said, get in front of Detroit, make sure they get whichever pass catcher they want there. I mean, I'm guessing maybe they want Sewell. I mean, I guess that's an option for them too. But, yeah. you know, just get in front of Detroit. So four or five – um, you know, Cincinnati's not really a tr- team that does a whole lot of trading at the draft, but they maybe they move down. Maybe Atlanta mm-hmm. takes a guy or Carolina goes up there or New England or whomever. So th- I think that's the big question. Is it going to be four quarterbacks or three? But either way, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Lions are looking at, um, I mean, at least one of Sewell, Pitts, right. Chase, it feels like. Yeah. Maybe two of them. I would say and, maybe two. Yeah. And I think there's a possibility, too, that, uh, I don't know that I'm buying the Mac Jones hype up here at number three, uh, but yeah, no, I don't there's know. a possibility, I guess, <laughs> that Lance and Fields are both there at seven, which right. maybe that changes the plan for you. I don't know. I mean, I think that it's really interesting. We're kind of back into the, I don't know, with the golf contract, I'd sort of moved on a little bit at quarterback mm-hmm. for Detroit, but I don't think we can totally rule it out if Trey Lance or Justin Fields is sitting there for you at seven. Right. Uh, no, I, I don't think it should be ruled out at all. Um, 
But I think the realistic situation, and you kind of said it, you know, when I sort of sifted through it all, I kind of went, okay, well, how would the top seven, you know, reasonably look possibly here? And, you know, for the Lions, you know, one is going to be Lawrence, two is probably Wilson. I guess two could be a different quarterback. You know, we don't, we don't know, uh, you know, who the Jets are going to take, but it, probably Wilson, right? Uh, and then three would be a quarterback. So it's going to be one of those Lance, Fields, or Jones. Four, I guess, is the interesting one with Atlanta because Atlanta could stick. Uh, Atlanta could trade that. Uh, Atlanta could take Kyle Pitts, as Chris mentioned. And, you know, if they take Kyle Pitts, uh, okay, well, that changes a lot of stuff because then, like you said, you know, all of a sudden Cincinnati at five sits there and says, well, we don't need a quarterback. And our pick is suddenly very, very valuable. And, you know, you would think that Cincinnati would be able to get, you know, they could either take Penny Sewell to protect Burrow. They could get Chase. They could get uh, whatever. They could trade back too. So I guess a lot of options open, but I thought realistically it would go quarterbacks, one through four, Sewell at five, Pitts or Chase at six. And then the Lions are sitting there with one of those three, Sewell, Chase, or Pitts. But yeah, no, I mean, the, the obvious thing here would be if, like, the 49ers take Mac Jones, okay? Like, if they do that, and if, if the Falcons take Pitts, Cincinnati wants Sewell, and then you're sitting there saying, okay, well, now Lance and Fields are there at yeah. six. Miami's not taking a quarterback. So if you're the Lions and that happens, it's jackpot time because you could either you could trade <laughs> right, that thing, yeah. you could trade that thing for a mountain of picks, or you could, like we said, I mean, you could... You could stop kicking the can and take one of these quarterbacks because now they've all thrown. We've seen Lawrence, we've seen Wilson, we've seen Lance Fields and Mac Jones, right? We've seen all of them. And, I mean, we can talk about Mac Jones a little bit if you want, Chris, because, I mean, I think it's a valuable conversation for the for the Lions, but Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, and Fields are all top four quarterbacks in this draft. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> they're all top ten picks. I think they're all top five picks. I don't know about Mac Jones. I can understand some of the appeal, uh, I can also understand that some of this stuff might just be chaos being created by, you know, scouts, GMs, and everybody else to get people sort of on their heels. But I don't know. It's it's a very strange and unique and different and fun, I guess, in some ways, uh, you know, thing to look at about how it, how it could all shake down. But I still think there's there's probably a, a favorite option, a more realistic, like, uh, I guess if you're going to put odds on it, like the, the thing we just said there that, you know, the lines are probably going to be sitting there at 7 with either Sewell, Chase, or um, Pitts on the board. The quarterbacks are probably, I would think, going to be gone. But, you know, I think there's still a chance here for this to be something pretty crazy. I don't know. I mean, what, what's your read on all this? And then, uh, you know, the, the Mac Jones stuff, too, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, we've seen them all, so I guess your kind of thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're right, first off, that it's hard to find a scenario where this – isn't good news for Detroit, frankly, uh, yeah, you know, right, exactly. and, and that's, and at seven, you're kind of in a tough spot because, you know, you you could get to a point where the trade value kind of goes away, but I think the circumstance there is that the top four are uh, the four quarterbacks. It's Lawrence, um, Wilson, you know, and the Fields, Lance in some order, and the Mac Jones hype kind of dies down, and the number seven pick isn't then worth as much probably, but... Yeah. In that case, you know, again, you're getting four quarterbacks out of the way. Cincinnati's probably taking Sewell or Chase. They should take Sewell. Miami's taking Sewell or Chase or <laughs> right, Pitts. Yeah, right. And then one of those guys is getting right. to you uh, at seven. So that that fine. You go make that pick. Great. And the other way, as you mentioned, if mm-hmm. it's just three quarterbacks, 
Or if it's Mac Jones at three, uh, then suddenly you're looking at either uh, considering a quarterback yourself or, uh, I mean, I think that there is certainly some trade value still in that pick for Detroit. And that's what we, you know, when Mm -hmm. we did our our mock that's up now, our most recent one that's up uh, at the Athletic for the Lions, that's, we traded to what, 15, I think? Yeah, the Patriots with New England, yep. Um, And it gets a little dicey. You know, there's sort of a drop off from kind of the tier one guys to maybe the tier two, what you'd call the tier two guys in this class. But still, you know, we got Christian Derrissaw. I think you'd probably be looking at at least one or two of uh, Parsons, uh, Owusu-Koromora, yeah. and yeah, Jamin J-O-K Davis. Yeah, JOK was definitely there um, for us, yeah. For Jamin sure. Davis, certainly, if you're doing those mocks uh, from Kentucky, isn't going as high as some people are saying he might go. Uh, mm-hmm. Edge guys, if you want an edge guy, there's a bunch of them right in that oh, God, window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even get... You know, if people get scared off by Devontae Smith's size or there's a run on cornerbacks, I mean, maybe you get one of those guys, too. So I think that you're in a pretty good spot. I mean, you you and I have talked a lot about the Jones situation, and <laughs> I just – it feels like this happens every year with at least one quarterback. It's the year that, like, Tom Savage was going to be a number one pick. <laughs> uh, so it always happens. Right. And I do think that there certainly is value in Mac Jones, and I understand kind of some of the arguments where you say, well, we didn't see him run a whole lot. We didn't see him, right. uh, you know, he, he was a guy who lived mostly, he, he could throw the ball deep, and we saw him throw the ball deep, but it was more, you know, it was more short and intermediate stuff. And I Jones himself said uh, after their second pro day, I think, um, I did that because that's what Alabama told me to do. And <laughs> if the next team says, let's go vertical, then I'll go vertical and I can do that. And so maybe there is enough there, but I, I don't know. I mean, do you see him as I, – I just can't wrap my head around him being a better pick than Trey Lance or uh. Justin Fields unless you're saying – you're San Francisco and you're saying, who's going to win the most games for us this season? Maybe yeah, that's right. Mac Jones. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's a very, it's a delicate, <laughs> I don't know. Because I saw Mac Jones for the first time in the uh, Citrus Bowl a year ago when Michigan played Alabama, right? I think it was like his second or third start. And I watched um, the entire Auburn game because I was getting ready for that game. Mm-hmm. And then this year with Michigan, Michigan State not playing, you know, uh, in September, I watched like nothing but Alabama football for like <laughs> September, like most of October, right? So right. Yeah. like most of the country, that's just what, you know, you, they were the best team. So I like have been all, I go up and down on Mac Jones because, you know, when I, I looked back to the, the first time I watched him play and I watched him live there and like, yeah, there were some times where he was making some down the field off play action, like standing tall, you know, he's hitting Judy or Smith or Waddle, and, all the, and and those guys are wide open, but he's putting the ball where it needs to go, and you're like, okay, this guy can this guy can throw it. I mean, he's got he knows where it's supposed to go, and you know, those deep shots over the middle generally are where they need to be. Uh, I think he's pretty accurate underneath. Uh, I think he struggles at times with some of those corner shots and everything else that a lot of quarterbacks do. And I don't think he's not athletic, but I mean, if you just look at the full package here, I mean, Fields ran a four four four. Yeah, I think Mac silly. ran like a four eight or nine, which or maybe even a four seven eight or something, which was solid, like not bad. I think he's probably like I don't know if he's the athlete like a Stafford would be. I think Stafford's probably more athletic than him, but I mean, I think he's got a little bit in there to where he can move around some in the pocket. 
Uh, he could avoid rush if you put him on a good team with a good roster, right? Like if you put him in an offense, you know, kind of like maybe what Belichick and those guys did with Tom Brady when he was younger. You put him in there and you say, son, you're going to check this ball down over and over and over until we tell you otherwise. And we're going to win a lot of games doing that. If you put him in that system, like, and, and he does that, I think that it could really work for you. But I mean, if you're looking at a guy who's going to just save you, if, you, if you're looking for a, a franchise quarterback, a guy with the physical uh, abilities at every area of, of his game, I mean, Lance and Fields are just superior in most every way. I mean, athletically, they are, they're both off the charts. Uh, and then when you start getting down, down into it, the Lance stuff... You know, the scout is so narrow, and obviously I know that there's questions about, you know, how is how is it going to be with his processing or anything else because we've never seen it. Fields, the nitpicking on Fields is getting ridiculous. I mean, it's just getting out of control. Awful. It's, re- the, it's the, so bad. <laughs> the insanity that is suggested at this point that he can't make a read beyond his first or whatever, uh, and that everything he throw, threw at Ohio State was wide open, and everything he did was just wide open receiver after wide open. Like, if you watched Alabama... All you saw on however many throws Mac Jones had was him throwing the ball into a 15-yard window to Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell and Ruggs and Judy, and he had Najee Harris. He had the best offensive line I have seen in college football in a decade. I mean, we can keep going. So, like, I don't think Mac Jones is a bad player. I don't think he's a bad prospect. I think he could be good. I don't. I really don't know. I think he, he might be a good quarterback in the NFL if he's in the right situation. But I mean, am I taking him on a, if I'm taking, if I'm the Lions, and I'm not saying that the Lions are going to do any of this, but if you're a team that needs a franchise quarterback and you're starting from zero, why are you starting with a guy that only is going to work in a very limited scope? Whereas you look at a guy like Fields, Justin Fields could play in any offense in any system. All 32 teams could, could make it work with Justin Fields. I don't know if that's the case with Mac Jones. And I think that that's where this goes, and I again, I, I land on it the same every time. I don't think this is going to be... I think it's going to be 1, 2, 3, 4, Lawrence, Wilson, Lance Fields, Lance Fields. I don't know which between Lance and Fields, yeah. but I mean, I don't know how else to look at it anymore because the Fields nitpicking is getting like... It's getting a little weird. Uh, not weird because we <laughs> see it all the time, but it's getting... Yeah, it's getting annoying. I... Uh, I... I... It's tough because I do like Mac Jones. I do as too. A quarterback. I don't. I, don't I think he's a really good quarterback. He's, he's grown extremely yeah. accurate. Like you mm-hmm. said, he can push the ball down the field. There's enough athleticism there. Um, I think some of this is just, and this isn't necessarily quarterback specific, but it seems to come up the most at the quarterback position. I think that people, for whatever reason, and it's you know some of the some of it's just kind of ingrained in how the NFL operates. It takes a long time for people in the league to kind of transition how they think about positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you, Pat, Patrick Mahomes came in and, and, and Russell, you know, Russell Wilson before him and then Patrick Mahomes. And now you're getting all these super athletic quarterbacks and people on the outside of the NFL are looking at it and say, well, this is, a, this is, a, that's what you need right now to right. win yeah. in the league. And then we get to April 1st and it's like, well, Mac Jones is pretty solid. He's a winner. <laughs> He's a winner. And yeah, you're right. like, oh my God, what are we doing? Are we really right. doing this again? Um, and again, that I like Mac Jones, but I think to me, he's clearly the fifth option of these top five guys. And yeah. so I'm curious. I mean, again, if you're the lion sitting there at seven, you are rooting like hell mm-hmm. for people to be right that San Francisco wants Mac Jones. And oh, I think God. it's entirely yes. possible, you know, that Kyle Shanahan uh, and John Lynch are. 
guys that are, are very well connected to the media, especially mm-hmm. Lynch. Like that, people know what they're thinking. They have a lot of friends in the business that, and now we're seeing everyone. You know, some of this is just the group think mentality that happens around the draft, yeah. but we're seeing everyone say, "Well, they seem to really like this guy." <laughs> and right. I don't, I, I don't, I. There's got to be some fire there if there's this much smoke. So I think again, you're rooting for that if you're the Lions because. If you get to seven and you're trying to dangle that pick for a quarterback, it is more valuable to dangle Trey Lance or Justin yes. Fields than Mac Jones, right. and that's just the truth of it. And that you know, that doesn't yeah. mean San Francisco's board looks like that, but that's that's what you're rooting for. The thing, the thing the that you said, the thing that you said that makes the most sense here about Jones is, you know, if you're a team that thinks you can win it right now. If you're a team that thinks that all you need is a guy that can just make accurate throws in the inter- intermediate and you're going to scheme it up, just get out there and like then that would make some sense to me because I while I don't think it's impossible that though that Fields could come into the league this year and be fine. I think he <laughs> right. could I don't know about Lance, like Lance is the guy that I I think the questions about whether or not he could he could walk in and play this year um you know, we just don't know. You know, like all the stuff we've seen from him, you know, with his arm and everything else is crazy. It's 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 special, all that. And, you know, I think it's certainly, you know, there that he's going to be a guy that at some point, you know, it clicks for. But, I mean, Fields, again, like he had one bad day last year against Northwestern. He showed up in 2019. We'll go back. 2019, he comes to Ohio State, right, after Urban Meyer reti- retires or leaves or whatever you want to call it. After all that, they lose Urban. Uh, Haskins goes pro and Ryan Day comes in. No one really knew what we were going to see from Ryan Day, although I think mm-hmm. he thought it would be pretty good with all the talent they had. We knew Fields was talented. But, I mean, I remember when he came in and he did struggle his first spring because it was brand new, brand new team, brand new everything, never played in that offense before, very different from what he was doing at Georgia. I thought, hey, Justin Fields is super talented. It's going to take him six games as a, as a sophomore there, to, to click. It didn't. He killed everyone in 2019. <laughs> he shredded everybody except right. Clemson. He had one bad game against Northwestern. He was a little rough against Clemson in that first year. And then this year, I mean, he took that shot in the ribs and still shredded him. So, like, I just, I can't get I can't get there on, on, the, on, the, on the Jones overfield situation. But, you know, I can see the appeal on Jones in that, yeah, if you're just looking for a guy that, you know, he's going to just stand there, deliver, and just do exactly what you want him to do at all times. Maybe that's the maybe that's the move, but otherwise... And I guess that's, that's the question too, right? Like, if the Lions are at seven and Mac Jones is there, you know, for you, Chris, is that... Are you considering Mac Jones, or is that off the table at that point? Or is that trade or someone else for you? I mean, I think they have Mac Jones. <laughs> like right, they have exactly. a version of yeah. Mac, what Mac Jones is going to be in the NFL, I think. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to say he's exactly he Jared Goff, but <laughs> like that's the type of quarterback you'd be drafting, right? Like a guy that you can maybe scheme up some stuff underneath. He certainly has the arm to go deep. He's not an incredible athlete, but he's capable enough, was good in college. Like it's a lot, there's a lot of comparisons there mm-hmm. to Jared Goff for me. Uh, I, Goff probably has a more of a gun on him, I think, at least to get Probably, the ball downfield. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, no, I'm not making that pick. I'm seeing yeah, if I New England either. wants him or if someone else who was thinking quarterback, even Carolina is still sitting stuck at eight and wants a quarterback. Maybe they just, I've mentioned this a couple of times, maybe they just give you like a three or a four to move up one spot. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> that does, you know, take the extra pick and go. Um, 
But no, I'm not making that pick for the Lions. I mean, I have a lot of <laughs> leftover thoughts here. I mean, the thing about Fields, like the narrative that he doesn't love football or doesn't want to be great at football <laughs> or whatever, like it's just crazy. It's as that's we discussed, nuts. like he was maybe the most vocal Him Big Ten football player yeah, right. <laughs> trying to get that conference back. He was. As, he was number as one. As you said, yeah. he got just like that hit he took in the Clemson game should have probably ended his season, and he came back and just ripped him apart in the <laughs> second half. Right. He should have like, opted out. He shouldn't have played. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know I mean? right. Yeah, right. So this idea that he's going to come in and just be some malcontent who's, yeah, you I know, mean. like – comes in on shows up at 12:45 on Sunday and leaves immediately. <laughs> like I just don't understand why we do this every year. Um yeah. and, and so I I yeah, I, that won't that kind of bothers me. The other thing you mentioned about just trying to figure this out, you know, Mac Jones had all this talent around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the conversation with all these guys. Yeah, uh BY like Zach Wilson Barely got touched all right, season exactly. by that the offensive line. line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, that team's been loaded with talent and ETN and the, all those wide receivers. Uh, Justin Fields, I mean, we know what Ohio State has. Uh, Jones at Alabama. North Dakota State just lost for the first time in like seven years <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so it, all these guys are going to be coming into situations where the team is worse than the team That's you true. know relative to everyone else is yes. worse to uh it's worse than what they had so i think that that i don't know if you totally scrap that from the equation but if you're bringing it up for you know mac jones or justin fields you got to bring it up for everyone so yeah um I, I don't know like what's your ideal situation for the lions at this point like do you want uh, Sewell's could be an all-pro mm. guy. Chase yes. looks like he's going to be a number one receiver for a long time in this league. Yep. Kyle Pitts is a freak. Like, what's your ideal here for Detroit? At, or is it, maybe it's to trade down still and yeah. get an extra couple picks. <clears throat> I mean, I think when you look at it, the, the the way to frame it that I've tried to do in my head that I think paints the best picture for the Lions and, and how sort of, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, it looks like they're in a good spot, like we said. I think worst case scenario is the you have either one of Sewell, Chase, Pitts. That's worst case, that you're going to sit there at seven and all you can do is take Pitts, Sewell, or Chase. Best case would be, like we said, Jones get, goes at three. The Falcons say, we want Kyle Pitts. We're not passing on him. And then just chaos happens. And you're sitting there with either Fields and or Lance. Or maybe even, I don't think this would happen, but I mean, like, what if both? slide so that would be your that would be your best case but I mean between those three guys you know I think that Sewell uh, we both had him number one on the board and I think that that would be the best case uh, as far as I'm sitting at it today because I just don't know if I don't know if you can pass on him Um, you know I think that when you watch him play what is he 20 he won't be 21 until I think October or something like that Pitts is the same I think Pitts is also uh, a 21 year old birthday in like mid-fall but, you know, with Sewell, I mean, this guy is 330 pounds, right? Uh, his punch is crazy. When he puts his arm out and somebody runs into it, that defender just stops. Like, I mean, their momentum just <laughs> dies. Uh, it's nuts. Um, you know, he can, uh, he pulls like an H-back, uh, you know, or something like that. I mean, he gets out into space and can mirror on linebackers and defensive backs. I mean, it's crazy. My only hesitation with him back when we talked about him like two months ago was... Um, you know, do you think he can play right tackle? Uh, yeah, I think he can probably play right tackle. I think he can play guard. <laughs> yeah. 
I think there's just a lot of things you can do. I just don't think you can pass on him if he's there because that's the thing. I wrote that when we did the uh, the story we did the other day about the board, um, you know, kind of guessing what it would be. And with with Sewell, because we talk about Pitts, what Pitts could be, right? Pitts' ceiling could be just crazy. We don't know. I mean, he's, you know, the, the seven-foot wingspan, all the testing numbers, everything else. I mean, he's a receiver, tight end, whatever you want him to be. Uh, Jamar Chase was awesome at Pro Day, and we know he's going to be great um, as well. But with Sewell, it's the whole – people get hyperbolic about that ceiling, but it's the floor with him. Like, I just don't see a situation where Penny Sewell is going to be a bad player in the NFL. Like, I don't know how that's – unless he gets hurt or something. So for me, it would go probably Sewell, and then the hard one would be between Chase and Pitts. I, I guess it's – I don't know. That's a tough one because what do you want to do there? The Pitts situation, I mean, there's so much you could do – We've been over this. If you're still thinking of him as a tight end, I don't know how else to put it to you anymore. I mean, you can go uh, and run those, you know, uh, those relative athletic scores uh, for Pitts as a receiver, and all of his testing numbers are like highest percentile as a receiver. So I mean, like he's an electric player. But for me, Sewell is 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 still number one, and then I guess two and three in that trio there is is a tougher one. And then you're still sitting there saying, well, if something else happens, crazy, and you don't have those guys, Waddles. Still there. So, like, at this point, Waddle is, like, the fallback plan, I would think. He's, like, your safety option. So, yeah, I mean, this is still looking pretty good. I mean, we're about a month out, but, you know, all things considered. Do you, I mean, I know we both had Sewell there, but, I mean, like, did, are you still torn on uh, between Chase and Pitts? Uh, man, <laughs> be tough to figure that out. I mean, I think, personally, I would probably have Pitts ahead of Chase. I could mm-hmm. understand if they wanted to go the other way because of what they have uh, in TJ Hawkinson already. I mean, I don't think we can rule out that it's Micah Parsons or someone like that right. up there either. Just um, knowing kind of, as much as we know uh, about how they kind of want to build this thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of potential options there. I do think, you know, the trade down discussion is the tough part is it, of it is, you know, at, at what point is the value not worth it? You know, we got like we we right. traded back and we got Darisaw and then with the extra pick, now I'm totally blanking. Uh, do you uh, remember who we got? Did we get Collins, <laughs> I thought. Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins. Okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, two really good players, two guys who are going to start for you. Does that make up for passing on Chase or Pitts? Right. Like if you're if you're sitting there with the potential for just a dominant, you know, elite player, can you make up that gap with two really good players, I guess, mm-hmm. to score the conversation? And that, I don't know that answer. You know, that's a really tough conversation that uh, Brad Holmes has to have in the in the room over the next few weeks here. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's – kind of knock on wood saying this because I'm sure yeah. there, there is a way the Lions can screw this up. We've seen it before. <laughs> but it feels like it'd be really hard to just totally whiff on this thing. Yeah, it does. You it know, does. it just – like if you get there and you take Rashad Bateman at seven over right. all the other receivers, I might raise an eyebrow. But right. otherwise, it feels like the Lions are in a pretty, pretty favorable spot, no matter what happens one through six. Yeah, they're going to get a good player. Um, you know, I think that that's the thing that I've settled on. They're going to get a guy. I just like you said, the only way they wouldn't is if they took a reach on like a second or third round grade guy at seven for no reason other than they felt like they wanted to do it and we have a different conversation if that happens obviously but I just don't see any scenario where they're where they're going to leave the first round without like a really good player I mean I I just even if they stay like the board from seven to 19 
lot of good, lot of really good players in there. A lot of guys that could help. A lot of guys that probably could start on this team um, pretty quickly. And you don't. And again, you don't know. I mean, injuries, everything else. Who knows? But I just the more you sort of sort through it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how they execute. You know, for me, it's been more fascinating. Like the questions about how they execute and run. And you know, on Friday, um, if they want mm-hmm. to trade back and add anything more on Saturday, but you know how they set themselves up for the rest of it with whatever they do in the first. Um, obviously, we'll we'll start the whole thing, but I just I just can't see many scenarios where they're not going to get out of this with. Like a good player. I mean, it's it's going to be something. I think that the trade is the best case scenario. I think it's still on the board. But even if they sat and just picked a guy, I mean, if they if it's if you're talking Sewell, Chase, or Pitts, you get one of those three guys. Man, that's pretty good. I, I mean, I don't think anybody. If you really want to get mad, you, then you're just trying at that point because that would be that would be a pretty solid. I mean, Sewell. I I don't know. I mean, we we talked six months ago and it was like there's no way. You know, <laughs> Sewell would fall <laughs> right, to yeah. seven, and I think it's certainly possible. And I. I I don't know if I'd call it likely, but I think it's certainly on the table. Yeah, and I mean, I can talk myself out of picking Sewell there because those other guys are so special. But if you're trying to, you know, lay the foundation and build this thing up from the the ground, I think certainly you can make the case for uh, an elite offensive tackle over a playmaker. Mm -hmm. Um, And you obviously are going to need those playmakers too, but the thought of having Sewell... I mean, I guess on the right, I, you could maybe move Decker too. Although you just paid him to <laughs> the previous regime gave him yeah. a huge contract to move, but he's been good at that left tackle has, spot. Yeah. But even if you leave him there, you put Sewell right guard or right tackle. Decker's about to turn twenty-eight. By the time Sewell's ready for his second contract, you're probably. I mean, one of the best Decker's lines. still yeah. playing at mm-hmm. at that point for the Lions. Uh, you'd have two tackles, you know, anchor tackles in place for four or five years, and you'd probably be ready to move on from Decker at age, you know, 33. Mm-hmm. You swing Sewell over to the left side when there he turns is. 25. Like, this is <laughs> insane, the upside here. Right. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you, you have, look at, you, and you also have Rack now. I mean, you're, you're, right. you wouldn't be far off from having one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And I know when we say stuff like that to Lions fans, they're like, you have no idea what you're talking The Lions would never, <laughs> they could never have one of the, this has never happened. They, they never run the ball. They never do this. They never do that. But like reality is reality. And like Frank Ragnow is arguably the best center in football right now, or at least he's in the top two or three. And like you said, I mean, you could have two anchor tackles. Jonah Jackson's a solid guard. You could have one more guard in there and that thing could be cooking within three years. That's not a stretch if you get a guy like Sewell in there. So, yeah, I think that's the way you look at it. Is you look at that position, and you say, "What could it be in two or three years when we're ready to see what we got?" And like, if you take a, if you if you get Sewell and you put him in there, you know that barring catastrophe, injury wise, your offensive line is going to be really good in two or three years. And I think that that's a pretty safe safe situation to sort of wrap your head around. So we also uh, this week heard from. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And this is the time of year where Rod Wood uh, too. Rod Wood, uh, yeah. This is the time of year where we'd be down mm-hmm. in a normal year at the league meetings. This is the second time in a row uh, I've missed out on my trip to Arizona <laughs> or Florida or wherever it would be. So a little uh, disappointed in that. But yeah, we heard from you know Rod Wood um, talked mostly about you know sort of the business side, the off the field stuff. Um, said the Lions want to have as many fans as possible in the stands when the season opens, which I think mm-hmm. we all kind of expected anyway. But, um, you know, hopefully, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, hopefully that works out. Uh, but 
Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, you know, Dan Campbell talked a lot about just sort of the uh, challenge, the conundrum here of signing all these one and two year guys, telling them, yeah, come, there's an opportunity here. We need players, but we trust that can come in and start. You know, you can, you'll see a lot of playing time here. Um, but at the same time, you're also trying to build this thing long term and figure out what it's going to look like. You know, in in five years, in in six years, and and it's tough to do that when you know a bunch of these guys are going to be gone, right? Uh, in a year or two. So, did anything that those guys say said surprise you or change the way you're thinking about this draft class, or did it just sort of fall in line with everything we've heard so far? No, I think it it was more you know what we kind of expected or what we have heard so far, and that you know in. You know, Campbell highlighted a lot of those guys. Holmes too, but you know the the guys they signed um, and kind of the roles they can fill. And the example of, you know, I thought it was interesting. I think it was when he was talking about when Campbell was talking about either Tyrell Williams or uh, maybe Perriman. I can't remember which one. Uh, one of the guys that they signed that you know fits that exact mold of like you know we have an opportunity here and you need an opportunity and we still think you're. You know, not a lost cause. We think you can kickstart your career. So, you know, this is going to be a mutually beneficial situation. We think you're a good dude, too. So, you know, guys who have something to prove. And then Campbell said it, too. He was like, because ultimately, Brad and I also have something to prove. And I think that that was really refreshing, I thought, to hear from um, from Campbell. Because a lot of this stuff we just don't hear from coaches that come in. You get a job, you start in, you come in, and you're an NFL head coach, and it's like, I'm here from a better place than this one is, and I know what I'm doing, and I have to prove to everyone that I know, right? So this has been a little different because I think <laughs> what that are you it's, talking about there? Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's across the board. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's just Patricia, but I think that that happens. That's the norm, and I think that what we've seen here is like Campbell said it. He was like, you know, we're signing guys that need an opportunity to prove that you know they're better than people maybe think they are, and we're trying to do the same thing. You know, <laughs> Brad Holmes and I, and I think. I think that that's ultimately when he, when he says that, if, if you look at it that way, that's like the whole thing right now for the Lions. Is, and I think that that'll be their sort of battle cry or the thing they use to bond each other, you know, to bond with each other is like they're, they're it's going to be a little bit of the island of misfit toys. Uh, I think in the first year and a half, maybe two years, that it's going to be a lot of guys on that roster that, you know, were cast offs, the guys that, you know, somebody else gave up on or guys that, are in their mid-20s that have already been given up on that we see in the NFL all the time. And, um, you know, I think that it's a... Look, they don't have many options. I think it's a creative way to look at it. And I think that if you do it this way, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to result in terms of wins and losses, but I think that we talked about this two weeks ago. And I think that Campbell sort of noted on it a little bit there too. Like if somebody like Tyrell Williams has an awesome, like, first six weeks of the season or something and, like, blows up... uh you can trade him maybe, right? You can trade him and get something else out of him. And then all of a sudden he's looking at, you know, his situation's better. Your situation is better. It helps long-term. Maybe he blows up and you want to keep him. Who knows? So, I mean, like, uh, I think a lot of these signings like this are they're interesting. I think they've, they've, they went about it the right way. They didn't do anything crazy. They couldn't because of the cap. But uh, I did think it was refreshing to hear the, you know, we also have something to prove. And, you know, we're not sitting here thinking that we're operating on a free pass, that this is year zero or all the other stuff that we hear sometimes. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and we'll see, you know, we'll kind of see, I guess, how all that vibe is after like week eight or nine. But we'll see. We'll see. Right, <laughs> right now it's it's all good right now. So, How yeah. much do you think we can read into 
I guess, their plans for the roster or the draft based on what they've done so far? Because we've seen them sign like almost exclusive, exclusively mm-hmm. speed wide receivers. Yep. Uh, we've seen them. They've committed as much as they've committed money. It's been at the defensive line spots. They re-signed Okwara to the big deal. They traded for Brockers, who's making a bunch of money. Um, right. You know, they picked up a couple couple other dudes here and there, but Jamal Williams, uh, the big one, probably in the backfield. Like, how much of what they've done so far can we read into and say, well, I guess this is what they're going to want at receiver or the yeah. defensive line looks pretty good now. Uh, is there anything there? Or is this just trying to? get a roster that can come <laughs> yeah has like enough bodies for i think it's probably a little bit of both uh in that sense but i do think um i do think speed in general is going to be is going to be the theme here uh, especially defensively in the middle and on the back um you know they raved about Jalen Reeves Maben the other day, and I mean like Reeves Maben's a coverage player, and maybe that's because you know he's a guy that can come in here and, and cover, and he was never used by the previous staff. Who knows, right? But I think that the guys that they've talked about and the guys that they brought in, most of them can run. Most of them, you know, have good burst. Uh, a lot of them have, you know, little things in their game that need to be coached out or whatever. But a lot of them are just good athletes. So I think that what we'll see for the most part, especially defensively on the back end, because if that's the biggest thing right now, is the athletic upgrade that has to happen on the roster. <laughs> Poor Jelani Tobias. My God. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, he, Campbell was going down the list of all the linebackers, right? And it, he's talking about all the, like, uh. these guys that no one's ever heard of. And then he goes, and then we got Tavai, who uh, also was drafted here, or whatever. And that yeah. was the answer. Oh, and it's man. like, oh, boy. So I just think that a speed upgrade, right, in general. Yeah. Um, not plotting. I mean, I guess we could be wrong. I don't know about the defensive line. I guess that's the one thing there because, you know, like you said, they've added Brockers. They re-signed Aquara. Maybe, you know, I do wonder, like, does that mean they're not going to be, you know, maybe as, is that not going to be as high a priority in the draft to, to mm-hmm. maybe fill some of those spots right now? I mean, obviously they're not going to take a running back, you wouldn't think. Um, you know, would receiver be necessarily as high? Because you've taken two guys, right? And you've still got Cephas. I mean, if you don't love a guy or something, if you don't want to. so. Um, but I just think I look at speed and, and guys who can run. I mean, you look at uh, Schefter tweeted out that Jabril Cox um, GPS graphic the other day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's, that's the guy I think that Brad Holmes, those are the guys, you know, guys that can that can change direction without loss of speed, that can show they can run all game long, that can run in certain situations, because that's the league. It's it's a mobile, on the move, spread it out. You have to be able to cover a lot of ground, and I think that that's probably where they're going. That's where they should be going. And that seems to be what the Rams did, so I would think that that's probably where the Lions are headed for the most part. Have you had any of those? I mean, it's hard, because like... Yeah, we don't right. know what Brad Holmes wants to draft. We know some of the prospects that the Rams came up with that they decided to select that he suggested. But you know, have you made any sort of like? I think I have a pretty good line in on what he thinks about this or what he thinks about that. I don't. It's <laughs> That's hard, always yeah. the toughest part, like yeah. of this first draft. Uh, you know, by the time, but it's certainly by the time the Lions hired Patricia, and by the second draft together, you you kind of had a feeling like, all right, that ticks off the arm length oh. box that they're looking for yeah. and that's the height weight box and like all he these went things. To Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> he went to Iowa. Right. He was an SEC starter. Like yeah. I don't know that um, I don't know that we can do that yet because you mentioned the speed and I think that that's an interesting conversation because uh, you know we had the 
Uh, our Rams beat writers had the really interesting story about um, how they found Jordan Fuller, their safety from Ohio yeah. State, who ran a terrible 40 mm-hmm. at the Combine, but they went back and were they liked him on tape and they got the GPS stuff from Ohio State and he his play speed was a lot higher than the 40 right. time. And so some of this stuff, you know, I don't have access to Ohio State's GPS data. So <laughs> right, yeah. some of this stuff is going to be tough to do even when we know what they're looking for. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's as much as anything what we're kind of curious to see what this draft looks like just to see, you know, did they zero in on guys who played it, have 50 games of college experience? Did mm-hmm. they zero in on guys who ran 4-4? I don't think – it's going to be all about the 40 Campbells. Yeah, you know, no. Campbell's talked a couple times, you know, saying, well, you know, Brad really likes us to use – we just want to pay attention to – is he a good football player? Like when we watch right. the games, is he make – is he look like he knows how to play football? Like I don't care what he runs in the 40. And I think um, that's probably going to be the way they go about things. But – you and I also have paid attention to I, – I just watched Wake Forest Pro Day for <laughs> <laughs> almost no reason uh, Wednesday. Um, we've watched a lot of these Pro Days now. For whatever reason, I mean, I think players are comfortable on their home turf. They're not going through the uh, usual combine yeah. gauntlet where it's 8 a.m. to midnight of team of meetings with teams and all these all this stuff. So uh, I'm sure there's reasons why numbers are there, where they are, but – like everyone's running four <laughs> four, uh, so Everyone's what are your reactions? Yeah, it's insane. What do you? What sort of reactions do you have to the to the pro days in general? And then we can get into a little bit here, just you know, guys that yeah. maybe have caught our eyes as we've gone through it. First of all, everyone has run like a four three eight. I think I've seen, <laughs> yeah, I've seen right. like it's fifty guys in the four threes. But no, I think that I can buy some of that. I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, said some of that too yesterday on um, one of those pro days on NFL Network or something, where he was like, "Look, he's like, guys are sleeping in their own bed. You know, they're 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 getting up and eating breakfast at home when they before the before yeah. pro day. They don't have to stress out about all this other stuff. I mean, for people who haven't been to the combine, and I mean, like, been to the combine and like been on the floor, and if, if you don't know what these guys go through with that thing, my my God, it is like." That's not, yeah. that's not, you know, people in our business and in our industry, uh, we exaggerate a lot. We, we're hyperbolic people. That's not hyperbolic. The combine is a super stressful, <laughs> like horrible event for a lot of people. And I can totally see where guys being, you know, you saw uh, Mac Jones jumping around catching a ball from Najee Harris from the pro day the other day. That was cool. Yeah. So I do think a lot of that is probably contributing uh, to some of the, some of the stuff being better in some of the areas. Cause I mean, like, some of these jumps are crazy too, and you can't you can't cook a jump. I mean, you know, we <laughs> the guy jumps, and we all saw it. It's not you know, it's not well. We're gonna lie and say it was this. So I mean, the jump is what it is. But I mean, yeah, the hand time forties were always gonna be a little whatever. The times in pro days are always a little different than what you see in the combine. But you know, yeah, I do think that a lot of this stuff, especially with the explosion numbers and the agility numbers that we've seen, and a lot of them have been really really good. I think that they're probably legit. I think a lot of this is you you continue to see advancements in the way guys train. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a group of this is a group of kids, you know, the generation now of um you know, college players that that enter, you know, FBS Power 5 leagues from high school. They're all specialized by the time they're like sophomores and juniors in high school. So I mean, they're all trained for this. They all know what they're they're doing out here, everything else. So a lot of it hasn't been shocking to me, but I do think that, you know, the the fact that they all have been home has probably 
contributing there. But no, I mean, a lot of them have been interesting, I guess we'll say. There haven't been a lot of, like, shocks. There's been a lot of stuff that I've seen across the board that guys that we knew could play and certain things that we watched the Senior Bowl, a lot of confirming, right, where you see guys like um, Eskridge ran really well. Um, we saw the Clemson receivers perform well. We saw um, a lot of those linebackers that we thought would show up really well. Like uh, we just mentioned Cox, um, uh, Chess Surratt at North Carolina. Like a lot of those guys um, that were those mid-round guys that, you know, we would have been watching at the combine. I think a lot of them, I, ha- I can't think of too many off the top that, you know, I, I looked at what they what they did and was disappointed, but I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here who is, like, the craziest. I mean, Pitts' numbers were completely insane. Um, yeah, I mean, Parsons ran a 4-3-9, four, four right, I think? So and like, Jason Awe. How do you say his? Uh, Owe? Owe, Owe. Yeah. He yeah. ran in the 4-3s. He was completely insane. Was there any 4 uh, Stokes was in the four twos. Uh, Eric Stokes from Georgia. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other four twos. There was a couple three cone drills that were nuts. Um, I'd have to go back and look now, but there's a couple. I Ron did Ron. I don't know what Rondale Moore's official came out at. That, but it yeah, was, Moore's uh, like entire nine. I think Anthony Schwartz was like an unofficial four. That's the other thing. Like we get yeah. these first numbers and they're like, oh, he ran a four one, and then the official that the NFL puts out is like a four three six. So it always changes. That happens at the combine too. Yeah, they run and it shows you the thing on the NFL network, and then they add you know five hundredths of a second later, but. Um, Elijah Moore yeah. and Nico Collins were two guys I would say yeah. that had numbers. Uh, Moore, the receiver from Ole Miss, was a was a four three four forty, which I he's fast, I could buy it. But his three cone uh, was six six three, which would have been I believe number one at the combine last year. And then Collins, um, I think, was in the four fours, right? And he had a he had a three cone. I had it. I had it just here a second ago. Six seven one. So I mean, Nico that that surprised me. His agility mm-hmm. numbers were. Were higher than I thought. Um, he didn't climb as high on um, on Dane's big board, maybe as I think either of us thought he would. But he's an interesting one too. A lot of those receivers, I think, probably helped themselves. And some of the tackles, it's been up and down. Like Jalen Mayfield's testing yeah, was great. a little lower than you would have thought, right? So you know he probably maybe takes a dip in some areas too on athletic. I saw James Hudson's numbers come through today from Cincinnati, the former Michigan tackle. Not great. Uh, a little lower than I probably would have thought on some of those. I think he ran in the five three uh, five three forty. I thought I think I saw, which is a little lower than I would have thought. So some of the tackles too. I think some of that picture changes a little bit as well. But um, we have seen a lot of pro days, my man. This is uh, <laughs> we've got a few more to go, but it has definitely been interesting. Davis uh, Mills, the kid at uh, Stanford, is another one. Um, am I saying is that right, Davis Mills? Yeah, mm-hmm. the quarterback at Stanford. He was probably the guy that um, I watched his whole throwing session. He threw in the rain. And he jumped a lot with me just because he, he's a lot better than I think I probably realized or thought going in because I think his tape was pretty limited. He's another one that stood out that that caught my eye. Yeah, I thought Kellen Mond had a really good day. I watched that one. And that's the guy, you know, I mentioned him on our big board as like a very high day three option. I don't know that he – it's always hard to figure out yeah. quarterbacks once we get beyond the top four or five guys. But I don't know that he gets that far because I do think – you know, he's coming out of the SEC. He's got a, a good arm. He's mobile. Like he's got a lot of stuff that you could work with there, especially as a backup. Um, you know, you, a lot of teams like having the kind of change of pace guy at backup. I think he could certainly do that. I mean, all, Ohio State's numbers, most of those were ridiculous. Baron Browning had a really good day. That's Great a guy team. that the yeah. Lions could look at. Um, you know, LSU too. Like Terrace Marshall, I think mm. is 
probably a round one guy potentially at this point too. Um, I don't. I mean, at some point you run out of spots for all these wide receivers because right, yeah. Marshall, you know, uh, Tony at Florida had a big day. Bateman, I saw, just put up big numbers at Minnesota. So you're going to run out of spots for those guys. But you know, as we were talking about trades, like that's the Lions are high enough off, high enough up in round two as well that you know there's usually some movement there because round one ends and then you have whatever it is, like 20 hours until round two starts. Right. And that's when we see teams, you know, reset their boards. They start making calls. So there's probably going to be opportunities to move up or down there as well. Um, I mentioned Parsons. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of go up and down the list. And there's so many guys this year that seem like they're performing well. The stuff with, you know, Mayfield, Hudson, um, it, I always kind of wonder when we see players who don't perform or don't test as well, you know, sort of what the – yeah, what they're trying to show off because I mentioned I watched the Wake Forest one and and Carlos Basham had a really good day. He ran like a four six, um, and he said he weighs two seventy four, which is God. uh twenty pounds or twenty pounds is seven pounds lighter than where he was at the Senior Bowl, which was just two months ago. And I and he said you know if since the Senior Bowl he's had teams talk to him about you know maybe playing like some stand up on the edge mm-hmm. and dropping into space and so. You figure he probably got lighter for that, and so I wonder maybe, like, if teams been telling Mayfield he's going to be a guard, like they need more weight probably, on him. And now yeah. he's just slower because of that. So that's always sort of the conversation too. Like, are guys trying to react to um, yeah. what they're hearing and how much of this holds up? Like, they, like you said, they train, especially the opt out guys have been training four months just mm-hmm. to run the forty and the three cone, <laughs> right? Uh, and may never run that fast again in their lives. So it, it is. It's always tough, and I think probably especially this year because everything's so uh, scattered, and you know it isn't all happening under the same roof with everyone in the same building. So it's gonna be tough to figure out. Yeah, and it's been interesting to watch some of the some of the positions that are deep, right? Like tackle is is a deep position because I would think that your goal, you know, like you said, that's a great point because a guy like Mayfield probably will play some guard, I would think, at least early, and that probably is something that's been on his mind in terms of testing everything else. But, like, you're looking around at some of these tackles. Spencer Brown, the, the kid from Northern Iowa, like, his, his pro day was ridiculous. He ran a 4... I got it right here. 6'8", 310. He runs a 4'8", 40. A 4'4", short shuttle. 7'03", 3 cone. I don't know. I can't remember what his uh, jumps were, but I think they were through the roof. I mean, this guy he was just... I mean, you have so many great athletes now that can play offensive line. And I think when you look at a lot of these offensive tackles... Uh, that's been an interesting one to watch is is how many guys, you know, in this group, because there's a ton of them in that Friday area, right? Like round mm-hmm. two and three. How many of those guys can play other positions? How many of those guys can flip? You know, that's been that's been certainly interesting to watch. There's been so many, and that's not just me being an offensive line homer, but I mean, there's a lot of really <laughs> athletic, yeah. uh, intriguing tackles uh, who I think can do a couple different things. Walker Little, the guy from Stanford, Another one who was surprising uh, surprised me with his athleticism too at Stanford's Pro A lot of good Stanford players. Stanford had a good had a had a good group of uh, dudes working out there too. So we'll see. I saw Kyle Trask worked out yesterday as well. I don't know if he uh, helped or hurt himself, but a lot of those Florida guys did help themselves. So um, I would think the Pro Day circuit's about to wrap up here, right? I don't think we have too many more. Yeah, we got a handful go, Thursday, yeah. and then I think like Oregon, maybe one or two other teams Friday, and like just a sort of smattering of them 
next week but that's it yeah i mean i think it's pretty much done we're at the tail end of things now so um yeah i I don't know i don't know if the picture is going to get that much clearer for the lions over the next uh four weeks i mean i think they're pretty much just can settle in now and and go through these numbers and and kind of bring everyone back from wherever they've been traveling and and figure this out but you're right. I think that, and I think that they're aware of this, and everyone in the NFL is aware of this. Like we're talking so much about this number seven pick, but you know they're high in the second round. They've got two in the third, and this is a this looks like a deep class, especially at yeah. some of those spots, especially at wide receiver and offensive mm-hmm. line. I mean, uh, was it Landon Dickerson doing cartwheels? Oh man, like, yeah, jeez, <laughs> three months after tearing his ACL, like there's, it's crazy the amount of offensive line talent that there is. Uh, kind of deeper into this draft so um and that's that's got to as we've talked through the big boards and the mocks and everything so far that's been part of the conversation too like are you taking waddle at seven when you can go get yeah I mean, elijah moore maybe at God, 41 right. like i don't know uh, you know that's that's tough i, I don't yeah. know that you can play that game necessarily too much but uh maybe a little bit yeah, <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> i mean i think that is it's probably part of it it's got to be right. at least some of the equation so uh, what are you looking for here over the next? Like I said, we got four weeks from when we're taping until the draft yeah. uh, starting on April 29th. Dan Campbell said, you know, they, they've been bringing in some guys for for visits. Quentin Dunbar was in. Corn Elder uh, reportedly is in. So just some cornerbacks. They mm-hmm. need some more depth there. Um, Dan Campbell said they're probably not going to do a whole lot before the draft. Right. Um, so what what are you looking for over the next four weeks here? Yeah, I think it would be about you know, are we going to see. Are we going to see Atlanta do anything with that pick at four? I mean, you know, we already saw Miami make its moves a month ahead of the draft. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that it's already started. So, like, that, that's that been probably at top of mind for me is are we going to see, you know, are we going to see more movement on the board? Are we going to see more, you know, are teams going to wait? Or, or is somebody going to get antsy early? Are we going to see any of that? I mean, like, I just always think about a team like Carolina. I mean, Carolina has seemed so desperate to get a quarterback. And it just, right. it just feels <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it just... It just feels like there's no way Carolina's not going to make a move to get it. Like, it feels like that's their kind of, like, North Star here is, like, I could be wrong, but they're going to go into the draft one way or the other and be like, we're trading to get a quarter. I don't care what we have to do. We're going to do it. (laughs) So, like, I'm wondering if, you know, if any of that uh, sort of happens beforehand. Because a lot of this, I feel like, is going to be sort of that game of chicken just waiting until, you know, maybe even Thursday uh, to see how it shakes out, because I, I just uh, I think it we, we we'll see we'll see if there's more moves I guess beforehand. But for me, it's it just looks like that that top ten. Uh, I we could be wrong, but I mean we could be in for a pretty entertaining Thursday prime time viewing when that thing happens. Because if there's not any more movement before then, it could get it could get weird, uh, you know, on that Thursday. So I guess that's the main thing for me, because like you said, I, I don't think we'll expect to see them do much in terms of, you know, big additions, maybe a little, maybe some more cuts or some cap maintenance. But I think for right now, it would be all about, you know, all your energy probably has to be focused on what are you going to do at seven and, and figuring out a way if you can to probably move back and see if you can load back up. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like I said, Dan Campbell's more or less said it, but I think this is also probably going to be a team that's interesting, like in, August when teams are starting to do go through cuts and they're looking for that like 54th guy on a roster Mm -hmm. who 
on another roster who'd be like the 36th yeah, guy right. on the Lions roster. Yeah, right. And it's sort of the same, even if they're claiming them off waivers or whatever, it'd be sort of the same pitch to them. Like, we look, our two deep is a mess. Come play, yeah, right. you know, come play 50% of the snaps. And, and I would think there'd be a lot of players out there who are kind of amenable to that setup. So yeah. I, I think that August will be uh, kind of a big month for them, which is a, feels like a long way out from here. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot more in this for them in free agency it doesn't sound like it i, d- I don't know that they it feels like they made their big trades already <laughs> this um yeah. so we'll sort of see sort of see how they fill things out i think it's mostly just about kind of patching holes and then seeing how the draft goes and and kind of figuring it out from there so we'll see i don't know do you f- how have they done so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good question right? done? um i think they've done pretty well uh, i guess i mean they there's been a lot, like, there's days where I'm like, a lot's happened, and then there's, like, stretches where nothing happens. So, like, there's there's just, <laughs> yeah. like, two-week windows where, like, everything happens, and then there's, like, six weeks where nothing happens. But, I mean, I think for the most part, when I when I go back and look at everything, there's not a lot of spots where I stop and say, I don't understand what you did here. You know, like, mm-hmm. starting all the way from the, from the front. You know, like, the Stafford trade, I thought that, I still think that's great value. I think that's exactly what needed to happen here. A plus. Like, I can't argue with any of that. Um, I agreed with letting Galladay go. Uh, I can get behind, you know, taking a shot on Okwara. I didn't disagree with any of the other guys I let go. And I think some of the, you know, we've talked about Jamal Williams. I think Tyrell Williams is a good ad. Um, and, and more importantly, they didn't do anything stupid in free agency. I think that that was the thing, right? I mean, that's like an early test is like, are you going to do anything dumb? Are you going to come in here and like spend you know, 70% more than you need to on a guy that you have a crush on that you think is going to be the next whatever, or are you just going to do what's best for the team? And I think so far they've done just what's best for the team. And it hasn't been like always like super sexy or whatever, but I think for the most part, there's not much I can find real fault with. I I don't even know. You could nitpick maybe, I guess, but I don't even know how much you could nitpick on some of these because I think that for the most part they've done about what they need to do. And it's going to be, you know, now it's going to be a matter of, some other things are going to have to break for you, but, you know, are you going to be able to execute at maximum, you know, at the draft, I guess would be the big test. But so far, I really can't find a lot of fault with what they've done. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I have been a little surprised. There's been uh, a few guys that we had kind of pointed out might be interested in coming here. The Lions might be interested in just because they Mm -hmm. have focused so much on the connections to uh, past players that have gone other places for – not a lot of money that yeah. I was a little surprised that they didn't get in on some of those guys because they're still uh they still need some more on the offensive line. The secondary is yeah, still there. a mess. <laughs> yeah, right. Like just a total mess. Uh <laughs> they need multiple guys in that secondary still. Um and that, yeah, I mean I think everything that they have added makes sense just from a both in the short term and, and kind of long term view of things and in terms of getting this team to maybe be more competitive next year than it than it has been at points in the past two years, but yeah, I mean, I still think that there's, I I don't think I don't know that there's any more huge moves, but I don't think they're anywhere close to being done with this roster. Oh no, uh, no, no. Especially like I said, in those few spots, the secondary needs. I mean, they need at least like three guys in the yeah, secondary yeah, who yeah. can play. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. But yeah, I'm with you. I think that it's been uh, a smarter approach to things. The golf restructure and the Okora yep. contract sort of added stuff you know, Collins restructure you know you had a little more money moving forward to the caps but um 
I mean, I don't think anything beyond 2022 was really Mm-mm. tied down. Nope. So I can't see anything year or two to figure it out and, and kind of try to build this up and go from there. So I think it's been smart so far. And again, we'll see what happens at the draft because it seems like yeah. they're a good, sp- a good spot there. Yeah. Because it's like, that's the thing I keep saying to myself. Like there's going to, it's all been good. Like it's all been what it needs to be, but there's going to be a, like, it's going to get harder. You know what I mean? Like there's because <laughs> right. nothing that they've done so far either would be what I would call an overly difficult, like Galladay, I guess would be maybe the most difficult because I don't even think Stafford was a difficult decision. You had to do it. Like there's no like it's you had to do. You had to make sure you got your best return. But I think a lot of these decisions that they made so far have been kind of like no brainers in some in some areas. Some a little harder, but I do think it's going to get a lot harder. Obviously, and that's why it's going to be really fascinating. Like let's see what happens in the draft, and then like obviously this whole thing is going to be in flux for you know quite a while. So you know it's going to get right. harder, but so far so good. Well, we got a there's a ton of content up already at the Athletic, uh, both for the Lions and just the draft in general. So make sure you head over there. Um, our uh, dollar per month subscription deal, I think, is running for a couple more days. Yep, through Monday, um, I think. Yeah. And then we'll see. We always have something going. We'll see if there's anything else big before the draft. But um, we have a ton of content planned out between now and the draft. We'll get back a couple more times on the podcast and uh, talk things through between now and April 29th. I'll mention too that. Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide, The Beast, is coming oh, yeah. out next week, I think. I've been led to believe. Here we go. Uh, which is always incredible, <laughs> and it's part of your – you can get as part of your subscription. So, um, yeah, again, just head on over to theathletic.com. Check out all our stuff that we've had up. We mentioned the big board, uh, did a mock draft, um, got some more things cooking for next week. Get so. in for the dollar for Dane's yeah, big right. board. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I don't know if that will be in the dollar deal yet. Yeah, uh, and make sure you go over, subscribe, rate, review us, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, as always, uh, if you're not finding us, let us know. We'll try to get uh, loaded up on your favorite podcast app, uh, other than The Athletic, as we mentioned, (laughs) working on that too. So, uh, But thanks again for listening. For Nick, I'm Chris, and we'll talk to you soon.